This is the Smartest One in the Room podcast, episode 13, Forever Learning. I'm your host, Olivia Kamick, and this is the Smartest One in the Room podcast. On this podcast, we will learn how to become the smartest ones in the room. It's not about whether you are the most knowledgeable or the most creative. Rather, it's whether or not you choose to see out of both sets of eyes, or if you see the world we live in with a spiritual perspective. Learn with me about how today's topic helps us become the smartest ones in the room. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a friend with me, Paul Pickett. He's actually my, what would you be? My uncle? Uh, Uncle-ish. Uncle-in-law. Uncle-in-law. Uncle-ish. I like uncle-ish better. Uncle-ish. Okay. So thanks for being on on the podcast with me. I'm excited for this conversation. Thanks for the invite. I'm glad I'm here. Okay. So today, we're going to talk about learning and you're the master of learning. So tell me, first of all, tell me a little bit about you. Give me your story. All right. Uh, I'm actually a lifelong learner. I've always loved to learn. And I'm not that geeky kid that you probably beat up at school that just loved to sit in class and going, this is kind of cool, all the stuff I'm learning. So um, I grew up and I was born and raised in Argentina uh, with Spanish being my native language. So if you detect a slight cute accent, just go, oh, cute. And move <laughs> on from there. I, I know I say some words kind of funny, but that's okay. I, I like it. Um, and then we moved to the United States where I finished my education. I went to school in uh, Rigby, Idaho, the wonderful metropolitan city there. And uh, eventually went to college at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. And then afterwards, I went to uh, what's now BYU, Idaho, where I received an associate's degree, uh, moved on to University of Utah and got a bachelor's degree. Then when did graduate studies at Idaho State University and didn't like the program, so I left that. And then I eventually got my master's degree at Washington State University. So I've been in school uh, a lot of years. And on top of that, I taught for 22 years after that. So I didn't have enough schooling going to school that I had to go back to school and spend another 22 years teaching it. That is awesome. So I know you just got back from a trip. So were you in Guatemala? I had, yeah, actually took two trips. Uh, I took one trip to Guatemala where I spent 10 days there uh, meeting with the local people talking about education. And then I went to South America. I went to Lima, Peru, uh, Guayaquil, and Quito, Ecuador, and Bogota, Colombia. Okay. What were you doing there? Uh, same thing. Uh, talking about education to uh, different people, I would uh, speak with the local leaders, uh, local um, nonprofit organizations, and I gave uh, regional chats uh, regarding the programs available for education for from BYU Pathway, where I work right now. Mm-hmm. And these uh, chats uh, were about six or 700 people crowded in one room, and uh, it was just wonderful to be able to speak with the people there. And, and more than anything else is to bring them a little glimmer of hope that even though they might be in some difficult situations, we have the ability to provide opportunities for them to study and get a certificate so they can get a better job and they can even go up and get a bachelor's degree from a U.S. accredited school at a much, much reduced price. Wow, that's amazing. So I went onto the BYU Pathway website because I kind of wanted to see here from the founders or whoever made it the mission statement. And this is what it says. BYU Pathway Worldwide provides access to spiritual-based degrees completely online at an affordable price. So I know that BYU Pathway is a church curriculum focusing on spiritual growth. So 
How do you personally think that spiritual growth gives purpose to secular learning? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, uh, BYU Pathway is uh, sponsored by uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, just to make it clear what the church means in this conversation. Um, so um, we believe that all learning, all learning comes from God. Whatever it is, whether it's math, science, or religion, all of it comes from God. And the better connection one has with God or something, a power greater than them, and they acknowledge that, the more their mind opens up and allows that, that knowledge to come in. We, we rely on the teachings of Jesus Christ to guide us. And one of the things he said before he was uh, crucified, he said that the Holy Ghost or the Comforter would teach us the truth of all things. And, and we believe that applies to math also. Mm, that requires a lot of faith. And I think to be able to access your spiritual eyes, to see it that way. Let, let me just say one more thing on that, Olivia. Uh, in the military, they say that there are no atheists in the trenches. In other words, when the bombs start raining, even if staunchest atheist is going to turn to God and say, yeah. God, save me. We find the same thing happening in schooling. When that math t- t- hits you and you go, oh, my gosh, somebody's got to help me. There's got to be a God out there to help yeah. me. So, <laughs> so we believe that that, that faith uh, grows exponentially as you face big, bigger challenges. Totally. How does faith play a role in your life? Um, personally, uh, faith has uh, played a huge role in my life. I have been a, a, what they call a sober child since I was young. I was a deep thinker, even as, as a young child. I had a tree in our backyard in Argentina growing up. It was, uh, it was uh, one of my favorite trees that had a, a, y, a three-way Y at the, at the first branch off, which is a perfect place to go sit. And I would climb up there in the hot days in the afternoon and just sit in that Y and think. And I would just ponder all kinds of things in my life. So for me, that's where faith began. And I discovered God that way. I discovered there's a power greater than mine out there. And, and so yeah, as a child, that developed into an adult faith and an understanding that, that even though many things happen because of our choices, there are some things where we can rely on a higher power, some things we can't do for ourselves. So I imagine that that faith then, especially in your adult life, contributes to your learning. So how does faith contribute or play a role in your learning? Um, uh, once again, I believe our learning is, is inspired by the Holy Ghost. And uh, what I feel when I study scriptures and I get an insight is exactly the same thing I feel when I'm studying a leadership book written by somebody who's not a member of the church and inspires some insight in me. It's the exact same feeling, that aha moment, that poof, the light comes on in your mind. That to me is God-inspired. So to me, everything is faith-related in that sense. That's amazing. How does that contribute to your conversion then? Conversion, uh, Boy, that could be a whole podcast on what conversion <laughs> is. <laughs> to convert something uh, from one to another is a process. We convert water to ice by putting it in the freezer, and it doesn't happen right away. You could put that ice tray in the freezer and come back 10 minutes later. It's still water. Mm-hmm. And one could say the freezer doesn't work. Look at it. It's still water. Or you come back half an hour later and it's just barely a little scratch of ice on top. You got see, it doesn't work. But when you leave it in there for hours and you come back the next morning and open it up and there's ice in that ice tray, you know that conversion happened. 
And that's what I'm seeing in my life. As a young child, I relied heavily on people telling me that that ice will freeze. You just have to give it the time to get there. And as I allowed myself to mature in my understanding and knowledge and, and allowing myself to ask questions, because I have no problem with asking questions as long as they're helping me understand something better. Um, I don't like asking questions when you're already looking for an answer because that's not scientific. Scientists ask questions and withhold their, their personal feelings and see what answer falls in their lap. And that's sort of my approach towards the gospel. And as I've done that, I have felt answers come in such a way that they have built one upon the other to where we are at a point now that I would have to deny that water turns into ice in the freezer if I were to deny that there's a God out there. Hmm. That's a really good analogy to remember because like you said, it's not an overnight thing and the water might be colder five minutes later, but the human eyes can't see that. It's the spiritual eyes that really can see that progress. Yeah. And so let, let me just take you back just a little bit. And, and if I talk too much, you can just edit later. I, but, love um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember being a young seminary teacher in uh, Vancouver, Washington. And to me, the world was black and white, real easy. Everything was right or wrong. And, and as I became a more seasoned teacher and I experienced uh, students sharing situations with me that were difficult to explain or difficult to understand in, the, in a God-inspired world, I began seeing that there was maybe a third answer, a fourth answer, a fifth or sixth or 1,800 answers. And, and for a while, I'm not going to say faith crisis happened, but I reached a learning moment. Hmm where the water wasn't freezing. And I was turning to God going, wait a minute, I'm standing in here in front of the class telling the kids, if you pay your tithing, the Lord will take care of you. And that girl comes up to class saying, my family has been paying tithing forever and my dad can't find a job. And I'm going, oh, crud. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know what, what's going on? Because I've always felt like the Lord has watched over me and everyone around me, but now He's not watching over them. What's going on? And, and I began asking questions. Lord, help me understand better what this promise means. Help me understand better how I can see this and your promise and it making sense. And there were moments where I had no answer. Mm-hmm. I literally had no answer. And, and I would take that question and put it in the shoebox and put it on the shelf in the garage of my mind and just let it sit there for a while. And just say, the Lord will figure out when's the right time for me to get that answer. And I would move on in my understanding and, 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 and growth, but more questions would come up. And pretty soon I had five or six, seven or eight boxes of questions up there that I didn't know the answer to. But then one day while studying a completely unrelated subject, the Lord would speak to me in such a way that I understood that the things that he had commanded are true. And it doesn't come down to me understanding specific situations. It comes down to me understanding whether or not he's willing to fulfill the promises in his time and in his own way. Mm-hmm. And once I understood that answer, I went back and I took those shoe boxes off the shelf in the garage. And I said, I don't know, but I know. Hmm. That's good. I think a lot of times we can get 
hung up with the questions we have and, and mistake those questions for doubts. Mm-hmm. But really, it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but let me pray about it. Let me wait. I love that you mentioned in God's time, he will answer those questions. And maybe in this whole entire lifetime, we will not get an answer to a certain question that we have. But we do know a sure answer that God loves us and that we are numbered unto him. It may be hard in a moment or in a certain season of your life, but let that truth that God loves you and that He, you are numbered to him satisfy that curiosity or wonder for a little bit if there's not a black and white answer to that question. Excellent. Well so, put. So we talked about faith, learning, and conversion. And I think that those three things are perpetual steps that we work to master throughout our whole life. So when we have faith, we want to learn. And when we expand our knowledge, we become more converted. And the more converted we become, the more we have a desire to learn. And through all of that, our faith grows. When I was growing up, my parents set these five family rules, and one of them was love to learn. And this mantra has been so impactful through my whole life and and influential to me because I have always known that you can love to learn. I think that a lot of people are mistaken with like, oh, he was born smart or she was born with a desire to learn. No, everyone can grow. Everybody can develop a desire to learn. And while I've been creating this podcast, it has converted me to learning. It has converted my and grown my love to learn. How have you developed a love to learn? Uh, I think I, um, much like a runner gets a runner high when, you know, after they reach a certain point of running, uh, I've never understood that to me. Running is just a torturous uh, thing to do, but more power <laughs> to them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get this high when I learn something that that causes me to feel from head to toe a degree of fullness and joy that I don't feel with anything else. Mm. I mean, I have been to incredible ball games where my team has won in the last play, and I've cheered and screamed and cried and jumped up and down and felt that incredible rush. That pales in comparison to me, to what I feel in a more subtle but deeper way when I learn something. Hmm. I literally feel so much joy when I learn something new that I just, I'm smiling inside all day. And it might be a small, tiny fact, something that I just happened to read. Like I was just reading uh, about the, uh, the kings of Israel and I, and I bought the new standard revised version of the Bible commentary because it's got some great insights on there. And it's, I, I just, just a small, tiny little insight that I was reading about King Josiah and, and, and his relation to time frame to Lehi in the Book of Mormon and realized that they were, they were the same time frame. And all of a sudden, I began reading those next few chapters from the point of view of Lehi in the Book of Mormon, and it changed completely the way I understood those those three chapters in the Book of, of Kings. And that little insight to me just I was giddy. All yeah. I just could, I just, I was telling everybody, "Hey, did you know? Hey, did you know? Hey, did, and I'm sure they're going nuts. Like Paul, please be quiet." But I was just <laughs> so happy, and and that's what keeps me learning. Yeah, just little things. Yeah, I remember when I, so I did not ever read the Book of Mormon the whole way through until I got 
to the MTC. I finished the whole Book of Mormon in three weeks in the MTC, and I couldn't believe what I had just read. I was like, why haven't I, like, where has this been all my life? Well, it's right in front of me, but I just read snippets. I I think it's a natural thing to rely on your parents' testimony for a certain amount of time. But then, you know, when push comes to shove, it's up to you and your own testimony. And you have to rely on yourself and your connection with God through different trials or situations or challenges. And I remember we had, when I got to my mission, it was like, two months in probably. And I had finished the book of Mormon again. And for some reason, the second time it just was mind blowing because I think that I picked up more stories. I was focused on the stories rather than finishing it. And I could not believe the story of Abinadi when he was killed. He said, okay, the way that you guys come here is the way that you guys are going to die. I could not believe that. I told everybody it could, it was out of context in pretty much every lesson that I taught that week or the next two weeks. I, I'm like, by the way, let me close with the story. It had nothing to do with the lesson, but I was so amazed with this story. And I remember my companions were like, I love the energy. Let's redirect it to stay on top, to stay on topic. But it was amazing. And I shared the same like giddiness. I was like, oh my gosh, the whole world needs to hear this. Like Some people have never even heard the name Jesus Christ or Jesus or anything. And that really, in Spanish, I had a companion companion that always said, ponte las pilas, like, (laughs) turn your batteries on, like, let's go. And that really helped me put my batteries on, really got me going. So I'm, I'm interested to know your insights on this. How can we recognize opportunities to learn that the Lord has provided for us? Ah, good question. I think that we are always presented with opportunities to learn. It's just our eyes have not been open to understand those opportunities to learn. Um, even the guy cutting you off in traffic hmm. is an opportunity to learn. Or, or, or the person being rude to the cashier in front of you is an opportunity to learn. Or even just the person pushing their shopping cart in front of you and selecting different types of foods is an opportunity to learn. And the minute we change the way we see things and begin seeing things as learning opportunities is a day that, that we see everything as an opportunity to learn. And God has blessed us with daily opportunities, no matter what they are. You can draw a lesson from every single thing that happens in your life, even when nothing happens in your life. Hmm. There's always a learning opportunity. And uh, as I've gotten older, I've begun to understand that there are so many opportunities. As a parent, you look for teaching opportunities. So so let me just twist your question a little bit, because I, I see situations where I can teach my children something and they're not seeing the learning opportunity. Hmm. So I jump in as a parent and I will take a moment and teach something. And most of the time I seem to nail the moment just right. And the kids are like, wow, dad, I didn't think about that. Every now and then I catch them grumpy and they're like, <laughs> I don't like yeah. my room now. <laughs> yes. My parents are amazing at teaching and looking for opportunities to teach, especially my dad. He really speaks analogies and he can really connect with parables that Christ taught. And he 
seriously can make a lesson out of everything, like anything. So he's a really big outdoors guy. Like he's climbed Mount Everest. He went to Antarctica earlier this year. He just climbed Denali, the highest mountain in in North America with a blind man. He's just always looking for the next fun thing, the next way to push himself. And one of my favorite things to do after he gets off a mountain is call him and say, or a hike or a bike ride or whatever, and ask him, so what's, what analogy did you think of today? He's always having like ongoing church talks. He may not deliver any of them, but he has trained his brain to look for reasons why God is in the details. And I, I really appreciate it about him. And I feel like I've worked pretty hard to do that myself. And it's hard sometimes because even (laughs) it's easy to do it when you're in a good mood and when everyone's on your side. But as soon as somebody is rude to you, it's like, oh, it's all their fault. You know, what advice would you give to somebody to look for ways to learn in the negative or in the, when they're not necessarily in a spiritual, happy frame of mind? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that our society has uh, done for us is they have filled in blank spaces. Mm. Um, we don't have the downtime they had 150 years ago. 150 years ago, if you were to go to town to go shopping, you had to hitch your horse, get your wagon, and probably drive your wagon in silence, just hearing the wheels creak and the horse's hoof for the next hour, hour and a half till you travel those 10 miles to town to buy things. Those, those times were filled with people thinking. Um, I think that today when you are in a negative situation, most of the time it's because your system has been overwhelmed by mm-hmm. sensory input, by life, by things, that, by people talking, by, by, by things happening. I just think you unplug, you unplug, go for a walk, go sit in silence, and just let your body reset, calm down, and find its center again. And once that happens, you find your mood has changed completely. Hmm. And once that happens, once you find that peace, that center, that's when you can think more clearly and connect with your inner self and be able to express yourself more clearly. Yeah, we yeah. just we cover up too much. Yeah, I love that you say unplug. There was a, I think it was... Elder Uchtdorf that gave the talk about unplugging and plugging into your spirituality rather than plugging into the world. Because I have to say, when I'm in a bad mood, I go straight on my phone. When I'm bored, I go straight on my phone. Instead of go sit outside and and feel the wind on your face, like be a little child again. The title of my podcast, "The Smartest One in the Room," is really motivating for me because it. It reminds me to, that to be the smartest one in the room, you don't necessarily have to be the most intelligent or the most creative, but it's turning on your spiritual eyes to see the big picture. But in this case, we're talking about learning. We're talking about continuous learning throughout the rest of your life. How do you feel like expanding your knowledge has allowed you to see your potential that Heavenly Father has in store for you? Yeah, I think that um, the more you learn, and especially spiritual learn or learn based on the spirit, because math is still learned based by the, on, on the spirit. The more you do that, the more your, your mind increases in your capacity to receive inspiration or revelation from God, which tells you 
where you are in your standing with God. Hmm. And once you understand what your standing is with God, it's humbling. Because if you're doing well and your standing is high, it's humbling that God would think that highly of you. If it's you're not doing well and, and you should change, it's humbling because you know you have a lot of changes to do. Either way, it's that humbling process that happens because one has opened their heart and mind to learning by the Spirit that helps one become more Godlike in yeah. the way they are. Because it's not about doing the right thing, it's about becoming the right person. Wow, that is good. Well, thank you. I feel like I've taken so many things from this conversation that I'm going to put on my action item list because I think that even if you are doing awesome, you can always do better. You can always look for more revelation and inspiration from God. And I'm grateful for you. Thank you for sharing all of your insights and testimonies today. You're welcome. Thank you for the invitation to be here today.